my first time winning here. We ain't never beat y'all. It's the most wonderful time of the year, and that is because Toronto outclassed, outfought, and ultimately put Boston to the sword. You know, when I first got into basketball, Varel, my uh, term, first my temporary co-host, now calling to be my permanent co-host, was was really into the Celtics. And uh, am I right in that, Varel? Oh, 100%. You, you were really into the Celtics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, I think, apart from the na- natural divisional rivalry, my hatred towards this, 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 this Kurt might actually contribute to my happiness whenever we beat Boston. Varal, did you watch the Boston game? Yes, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed both games, despite, of course, of Boston losing the most recent game. See, because I'm, I'm not as embittered as you, Kamel, because this uh, Boston team is performing excellently this season. Uh, in fact, they have a better record than Toronto. And, oh. of course, as, although I have warmed to Toronto, having to host this uh, insufferable podcast with yourself uh, over the past year. Um, I think deep down, Boston is still my team. And um, of course, it was it was a fantastic occasion to enjoy my Christmas dinner and also to enjoy that Christmas Day game between uh, Toronto and Boston. Yeah, well, let's talk about that first. Let's take the, uh, the savoury before the sweet, as they like to say. It was uh, Christmas Day. It was the first time the Raptors had played at home on Christmas Day in their 25-year history. And rightly so, you know, um, they were champions last season, they lost Kawhi, they lost a lot of players. And there was concerns, obviously, over injuries to Siakam, Gasol, etc. coming into this game. And I think those were fully realised going in. Boston slapped Toronto down 118-102 on Toronto's floor. You know, they haven't won there, I think, in the last nine years or six years or something. Uh, in Toronto, you know, it's been a barren, a barren spell for uh, Brad Stevens' boys. But mm-hmm. I mean, they performed excellently, and I think it was mostly down to uh, Jalen Brown. Brown. Yeah, um, I think there's a very real possibility. Pro- probably not at this stage, but if Jalen Brown had been performing as he has been for like the last ten games or so, um, I wouldn't be all at all surprised to see uh, the trio of Walker, Brown and Tatum make the All-Star game. Um, really, when it comes to Jaden Brown, I, the only thing I've been calling for him to do as uh, just as a fan is just to be more aggressive because um, he can, he's so excellent at using his um, good uh, handling and his really his bullish nature as he runs towards the rim. For example, uh, during the latter game, uh, which we we will also discuss later in the episode, um, Toronto were having to foul him over and over again to uh, because they had no way of really coping with him uh, bullying his weight uh, to the rim. So, yeah, he's been excellent for the for the past few games. Yeah, I mean, it was not only Jalen, and of course, um, just going on to Brown, there was. Also, a lot of concern towards uh, in in the off season about his new big money deal, and people were saying that you know 
especially after the opening game in which he was a bit trash, uh, that he wouldn't justify the money. But he's uh, yeah, lost yeah. 10, Most people games. said he was massively overpaid with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but last 10, 15 games, he's proving to be a key cog in this sort of Celtic machine, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, one yeah. other player that really impressed me, actually, just with his playmaking, was Gordon Hayward. Now, he only registered six assists, but when you look at him, not only in the win, but in the uh, in the subsequent loss to the uh, to Toronto a couple of days later, his playmaking really sort of shone. Uh, you know, we've got you've got obviously got Kemba, who's a brilliant ball handler, but having that second man on the ball who can deliver is you know key to any sort of team who wants to challenge, team who doesn't want to get shut down in playoffs. And it's even more poignant that it is Gordon Hayward himself, of course, because since his injury, since he went down. I mean, it was a while ago now. It was two in? Was it two and a half seasons ago that he went down in the opening game? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, two seasons ago. Yeah. 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 Two, uh, two seasons ago. Um, he's sort of been ignored, you know, because he came back last season and he was pretty bad. But I think Brad's credit to Brad Stevens for sort of playing him through that, playing him, allowing him to come back into form, and mm-hmm. I think he's showing up, showing up for the Celtics this season. Yeah, and I'm very, very glad that you actually highlighted that because uh, when you look at this Boston team, it it is a core of four players in terms of like the usage rate. So we talked about uh, Brown and Tatum. I think they're going to Boston are looking for them to be the main uh, scorers on this team. And although uh, Kemba Walker is currently the team's highest scorer, if anyone again has watched the uh, past 10 or 15 games, I think. The team is making that transition for both Haywood and Walker to be the primary primary playmakers, and indeed I think uh, Haywood is only very slightly behind Walker when it comes to uh, assists per game this season. And so I think Haywood, if you look at Haywood with the Jazz, uh, and again I know that's a long time ago, but he you, was you by far no way to bring up the Jazz, you know. Of course, of course, I have to integrate them in. But with uh, with the Jazz, he was. Uh, most certainly their primary option and I think uh, Stevens has probably had a world with Hayward and um, he's he's probably uh, emphasised that they are looking for especially Tatum to now I think be that star player for the team and um, taking on that playmaking role and uh, it, it's not just that he's playing the role but he, he is actually I think an excellent passer um, his timing, his accuracy, um, it's clearly something he he must have worked on a lot in the offseason. And so, um, again, like you were saying, in the come playoffs, um, the new standard in the NBA is to have players who can both play, make and score. Um, there was an excellent video by uh, the Thinking Basketball channel, uh, and it discussed heliocentrism of the NBA and the increased heliocentrism which meaning um, heliocentrism is of course I think having the sun at the center of the galaxy but what it means in terms of basketball is having that shining star not only be able to score but also uh, play make and uh, find open teammates and so I think any team that has a multitude uh, of those players um, puts themselves in, a, in an excellent spot because of course if one of those players has an off night one of the other players can uh, carry their load yeah that's more than fair um, on the Raptors side I think 
the injuries, of course, we're not going to talk about injuries because every team has injuries and, you know, everyone team goes to stretches without key players. But without yeah. Gasol, it was very easy for Brad Stevens to, to shove in Enes Kanter, who, to be fair, hasn't actually played that many minutes this season. But it was very easy for him in just 18 minutes to grab 11 boards and uh, go, you know, drop 12 points. Because the Raptors didn't really have an answer to that. You look at Ibaka, um, he's not a rebounding big man, to say the least. No, uh, And Chris Boucher is extremely skinny. Enes Kanter just almost swatted him out of the way. <laughs> um, so yeah. it, it was very easy for sort of Brad Stevens to take advantage of the sort of big man, um, the, 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 the size that they have in that team. And of course, that's something that we've seen earlier in the season with... Uh, Philly as well, you know, when the Raptors are starting with Lowry, Van Vliet and McCaw on the field. And um, I don't know McCaw's exact height. Um, Do you? Um, I think he's around the 6'5", 6'6", range. But again, as with... To be fair, he's 6'7". 6'7", but again, he's incredibly skinny, which is... uh, Yeah, so he's not... He hasn't got that strength. And uh, yeah, you've got you've got Boucher off the bench. You're playing OG at the four. It's it's not strong enough, and uh, you're able yeah. to take advantage to him. I mean, fair play to someone like Boucher. He uh, actually dropped 24. He was a Raptors' second highest scorer after Van Vliet, who's coming back into form. But again, yeah. uh, this game was one where it just... because of the injuries, it was actually easy for Brad Stevens to make adjustments to Boston to allow them to, you know, just dispatch of Toronto very easily. Nick Nurse mm. tried. I mean, he tried. We saw semblance of a full court press when we were down. We saw the Raptors actually get close on some instances. But I think once that third quarter went, in which Boston scored 32 and Toronto uh, 33, and Toronto only scored 22, obviously the game sort of went then. And sort of a Christmas Day spectacle, which could have been so good just sort of turned into a rout in the end, which was which was very disappointing. Yes, and I'm again intrigued because um, you talked about Ennis Cantor there, and I think we can tra- now transition this into the uh, game yesterday's game because for me um, he was in fact an, a, dr- a very very large detriment for the team, and um, you talked about the rebounding, and I think. Um, so in the second game, um, Toronto heavily uh, out-rebounded the Celtics, and uh, due to that, they also, um, I think, uh, second chance points in terms of second chance points, it was twenty-three to five uh, for the Raptors. Yeah, and yep. in large part due to uh, a large number of offensive rebounds. Well, yeah, and, just to give some figures on that, actually. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Just to back up your point, because you know you do talk a lot of crap, so we want the listeners to know when you know you're actually making sense. Um, In the first game, the Celtics out-rebounded the Raptors 45-34. to Guess how many rebounds Toronto got in that second game? I'm going going for the 50 mark. 53! 53, yeah. And, I mean, that was crazy. I mean, we can actually move on to that game right now because it was a game where, you know, it wasn't as heavily watched. Sort of the Christmas Day disappointment had passed. But this was a time for the Raptors to turn up to Boston, where they were 13-1 and coming into this game. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, lay their mark down. They still had the same players injured. But the difference is they had a couple of days rest. And guess who came out firing? 
every single person, not only in the starting lineup. Apart from OG, I'd say OG needs to be a little bit more aggressive. He was, uh, he's going through a <laughs> of bad form at the moment. But every single person on the offensive lineup contributed. Ibaka with a double-double, 20 and 10. Lowry came out firing. He was five from 10 from behind the line with 30. Van Vliet scored 18. And there was an odd occurrence, you know, when you look at the box score after, I watched the game, we, we both watched the game. Yeah, yeah. But when you look at Patrick McCaw going 18, seven and eight, it's not a f- sort of scoreline you usually associate with him. And I guess with a lot of people no, no. questioning why someone like Malcolm Miller or Rande Hollis Jefferson isn't starting instead of Patrick McCaw while, you know, these other guys are out. Yeah, yeah. Nick Nurse has been vindicated once again, so all hail, all hail the former British Basketball League coach. <laughs> so um, you mentioned in the first game how Brad Stevens made his adjustments uh with regards to Toronto's injuries and I think the second game was again a battle of the mastermind because I think it was Nick Nurse's adjustments which Brad Stevens can deal with and this is something I actually noticed uh, with the very first whistle of the game uh, because I think uh, potentially the second time actually the Raptors were bringing the uh, ball up the court it was in McCall's hands and I was thinking to myself well Van Vliet's in one corner and Lowry is in the other corner. Why on earth is Powell bringing the ball up? Oh, sorry, uh, McCall bringing the ball up. It was very confusing. He hasn't played that role at all at any point during his season and a half of the Raptors. And um, it was, in fact, an, an incredibly successful experiment. As you, um, it, It's not just about the stats. As you mentioned, he had eight assists, but... Um, the Raptors just ran a lot of uh, clever plays, um, a lot of handoffs with McCall when he was bringing the ball up, but not just that, just um, the big would come up and screen Lowry and Van Vliet uh, running hard out of the corner, and um, they would be getting uh, open threes early on in the offense uh, before the defense was set, before they could react, and McCall actually was able to uh, find the open man a lot. Indeed, um, he had one excellent assist where it was a uh, it was a tremendous outlet past uh, to I believe it was Boucher. I uh, might be wrong there, but um, it was just very interesting to see him in that role. I ha- I ne- I've never even seen him play that role for the Warriors before, so it's nice to see that uh, McCall has that in his arsenal and uh, potentially Nick Nurse will be uh, looking to use him more so in that role uh, as the season goes on. Yeah, and especially come playoff times when you know teams will be preparing for the double pivot of Lowry and Van Vliet, both players who can create their own shot, both players who bring the ball up usually. But what if you you come out and suddenly there's Patrick McCaw bringing the ball up and you sort of see Van Vliet in one corner and, as you said, Lowry in the other corner, and it's like, we haven't prepared for this. You know, it's it's a different whole different ball game when you have three ball handlers, and that's not including someone like Siakam. Who, who in his own right is brilliant not only in transition but also can play the half-court sets very well yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and of course Gasol as well so I think you'd have five potential playmakers at that point yeah and it, it does explain the Raptors sort of ball movement this year it's been a lot better it's been a lot smoother um, obviously you've got rid of Kawhi who while he's not an ISO player he like he does play make himself but there's no more like let's look to Kawhi it's you know let's share the ball about let's uh, trust everyone. Trust everyone's shot, not only the hot hand, but you know, 
you know, just playing it about, which is which has been very nice. And of course, with the injuries, it's been very necessary. But as you said, it's an important role for McCall, who played 43 minutes, which uh, you know is surprising in its own yeah, right. Yeah. Most most of anyone in the team. Um, one player I also loved off this, and we'll play his interview just after the episode. But O'Shea Brissett. Now, this is a name that not many have heard. It's a name who you'll only know if you've watched Raptors Garbage Time. It's a player who, you know, um, this game has has only played seven games in which he's averaged um, five minutes per game and one rebound and one point in that game. But against Boston, he was the difference maker because Boston went on a number of runs after Toronto took the lead. They came back in the second quarter, they slashed the lead to seven and they threatened to do it again in the third. But O'Shea Brissett, in his 15 minutes on the court, took six rebounds. Now, this might not sound that much. Six rebounds, two assists, and four points. But it was so useful. The intensity, the desire. He grabbed three three of those rebounds or offensive boards, which created shots for the Raptors. You know, he'd fling it out to Larry, who'd fling it out to uh, Van Vliet to, to sink a three, something like that. Uh, and also on the defensive end, again, he was locking down someone like, like uh, Jason Tatum. And when you have those great athletic defenders who you can throw in when either you're missing a star or maybe you need rest. I mean, can you imagine someone like Kawhi having to sit out five, six minutes? You could throw someone like O'Shea Brissett on to to take his place because you know, while he won't contribute that much on the offensive end, he'll lock up his man going the other way. And that's exactly what he did in this game. Uh, I was glad he actually scored uh, he scored a couple of nice important baskets as well momentum stopping baskets when I said the Boston was going Boston were going on runs ended up plus seven and yeah he's uh, as Jack Armstrong said on the broadcast he's playing for playing time going forward because he knows these injuries they're still they, these injured players aren't back yet and uh, there's opportunities for minutes here. And on that that, note, Little Birdies, in fact, uh, told me that potentially he is up for a player profile, which is what we did last week uh, with Terence Davis. So uh, watch out for that, viewers. Hopefully we'll be doing that either next week or the week after. So, Yeah, he is well up for a player profile. Uh, He he fully deserves it. So hopefully he gets more playing time and uh, we don't end up eating our words. Mm -hmm. Um, So Boston, of course, was... A formidable opponent in their own right. Um, we've got o- we've got a good couple of games going forward. We've got OKC tonight, who've been on good form, but it's a team you expect to beat at home. The Cavs, of course, we mentioned last time, a, a demolition. Um, then there's an interesting game on the third, and we'll probably record after this game. It's away in Miami. Um, it's a game similar to the ones we've just played in terms of playing an elite Eastern team. The East, of course, has six elite teams, probably, including the Raptors. How important are these individual games, especially the likes of Miami? Is it is it worth testing yourself against these kind of playoff, playoff opponents, or should you not be too disheartened when you end up inevitably losing to a Bam Adebayo half-court shot? No, I think these are tremendously important um, in, in terms of confidence. Like when you know, for example, in the regular season, you've gone, say, 3-1 and one or 4-0 and oh against that particular team, it does give that team a lot of confidence. And I think 
with how hot Miami have been in the past 15, 20 games. And hopefully we'll talk about them in the next couple of weeks. But um, I think it would give this team, and especially if um, Siakam and Gasol are still injured, um, of course, Powell as well. If they're, uh, if they're all still injured, and if they manage to pull off that win away at Miami, when where the Miami Bulls have been extremely clutch, they've scraped a couple of one-point games in the last like week, two weeks. I don't know if anyone's seen. It's been uh, tremendously exciting basketball uh, at the Heat Arena recently. So it would give this team a lot of confidence with these injuries if they were able to pull off a win there. Yeah, that's good. And with that, we'll end this episode. This is going to be the last episode of 2019. It's been a good year, not only for the Raptors, of course, but for this podcast as a whole. Um, thanks to our solid listener base, who's now uh, been faithful, been loyal, through the good, through the bad. Um, you've managed to stay even when Varel has you know, officially joined the team now. So, so thank you for that. Thank you for sort of surviving surviving that and um yeah thanks for here's to a nice 2020 we've got two big interviews with british basketball stars coming up i'm not going to tell you who but they are big figures in the british basketball game and uh you have that and much more to look forward to in 2020 yeah and of course uh this british basketball star aside but i'm sure uh, that's what you meant there now Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. I meant you. There's no need to mention that. There's no need to mention that. Oh, no worries at all, mate. No worries at all. all right. I echo the Kamel sentiment. Uh, even if 2019 wasn't the best for you guys personally, like I hope 2020 will bring a smile to your face. And, and I hope uh, the podcast, as well as the Raptors Championship this past year, uh, I, I hope those manage to bring a smile to your faces. How wholesome. And what a wholesome note to end on. Thank you very much. I'll show you probably were asked this before, but about staying ready when your numbers called. Nick said, you know, uh, he knew that you could rebound. And, and what was your focus when you went in the game? Uh, just be myself. You know, I'm not. I'm not trying to go out there and do anything that you know out of character. I'm not trying to go out there and break somebody down because it's basketball. Cause, you know, I know that's not uh, you know where the guys want me to be at right now. We got our we got our guys, our go-to guys, and everyone else just got to go in there and you know do the little uh, the dirty work, as you can say. Um, but you know, I just, I just went out there and I was myself, and you know, I grabbed boards and you know played defense and just did everything to you know help us win that game. What was your comfort level when you went out before? I mean, it's not like you probably didn't practice with Kyle and those guys a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, but what was your comfort level? Uh, you know, I've been comfortable ever since I really joined the team. You know, the guys are really, really uh, welcoming and, you know, real nice. Um, they they welcome everyone that comes to the team with, you know, open arms. And, uh, you know, anytime I, I get out there on the floor, I feel I feel comfortable. I feel confident to, you know, do what I got to do. You played with a lot of energy, keeping balls alive and stuff. Is that kind of you saying to Nick, look, I'm... I'm willing to do this all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, obviously we, we have that kind of mutual agreement that, you know, he knows that's what I could do. Uh, you know, so just like he said, since uh, Australia, I've been doing that. Uh, so it's just I got to be ready for my turn. Thanks, man.